Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Gentle Power. I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing this conversation I had with our guest today. She is lovely and she's really hit on something that I think is very important for the time that we're in, which is this notion of gentle power. Because I think we're all becoming more powerful in a different way than we have always thought of power. So the power structures over the past, you know, hundred or so years for sure, have been very hierarchical, um, very forceful, and not so nice. And I think we're entering a time where we're moving into our personal power from a more authentic, higher frequency place. And so my guest today, Amelia Elizabeth Lati, is an awarded educator, applied psychology researcher, and founder of Sisu Lab, which builds communities and organizational cultures based on everyday leadership as an expression of courage and compassion. Her work has been featured by The New Yorker, Business Insider, BBC, Forbes, and more. Originally from Finland, she's taught internationally and given talks at Fortune 500 companies, TEDx, Stanford University, and UC Berkeley. For more, you can visit sisulab.com. And with no further ado, Amelia Elizabeth Lati. So I'm really excited to have you here, Elizabeth, and I'm really happy to talk about your new book, Gentle Power. Um, Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's really, really lovely to be here with you. Yes, and we were just talking. We're on the opposite sides of the world, really, almost. Um, I'm here in California, and you're all the way overseas in outside of Helsinki, did you say? Uh, Pretty much in the center of Helsinki. In the the center of Helsinki. My home, native home country. I love it. So beautiful. Um, And I love how the internet can bring us all together into a moment. So it's your evening and my morning at the time of recording this, which is so fun. Um, So I wanted to have you on the show and I wanted to talk about this work that you've created because I think we're moving into a different time on the planet where this is needed. And we have been coming from a place of what I would call forced power and hierarchy and a lot of like push and, you know, very like, I would say almost very masculine and very toxic masculine in a lot of ways in the way that we've approached many things, political, you know, agendas and financial agendas and, and what we have kind of come to believe that we need to be, to be successful or to be a leader in the world. And I think the birthing process that we're going through right now is really 
like, okay, what's the next iteration of how we relate to each other and how we step into our power? And when I saw the title of the book, I was immediately like, okay, like this is, you know, this is an alignment. This is something that I think about all the time. So take us back to like, what was going on in your world to have you be inspired to talk about this new way of, of creating power and leadership in the world? Mm, thank you so much. Um, to start, I think your your intro actually offers a really good place for me to begin to open a little bit about the journey. Um, in my own life, it, it's um, how I've encountered and um, overcome challenges, how I've been in relationship with others, with myself. It has gone through almost a similar kind of this narrative and the form. So for me, the story started with um, first getting very deep into this world of what's in Finnish called Sisu, which in brief, you know, it's a it's a Finnish word. We've had it for over 500 years and it doesn't have a direct synonym in any language, but you could describe that it denotes this kind of determination, fortitude, courage, um, intestinal fortitude in the face of extreme adversity. So it's a lot of power. It's a lot of that life force that we tap into and which just makes life grow and continue. So it is that one side of the coin where we have to grab hold of something and which we do grab hold of, let's say, also when we think of us as women, when we give birth, we have to just mm, just grind into it. And in many, many other um, uh um, areas of life as well um, but coming from this culture of Finland where it's really um, kind of over over done in a way that um, every culture um, to be a, a safe place and to be able to offer a space where humans can grow up to be wholesome beings so not going lopsiding into one side um, this culture also needs kind of the the softer side to complement this sisu, which is a really tough quality. When it goes into its dark side, as I would call, you know, dark sisu, it can easily create a culture that people will strive, they will achieve, they will do all kinds of amazing things. Uh, but when we don't have the ability to really attune to um, what are the consequences, what's the cost, we might end up um, doing these feats pretty much like with no regards to the cost. And then there's a lot of repair, a lot of cost to it. And so um, my journey started with this kind of very strong determination. And it was part of the reason that I just had to build this kind of um, wall, you know, and the ability to be the warrior, go very deep into it because of the challenges that life threw my way. Um, and so experiencing the beautiful side of this fortitude and this in this kind of really strong fortitude that we have and then realizing and going through this natural progression or evolution into realizing that when the pendulum swings into one end, then it comes to the other side. So I went really, really deep into the yin and into the to the soft side, um, to the almost to an extreme as well and then what is now kind of coming together is this 
gentle, tender, artful blending of these two polarities of the, the yin and the yang, as we could also uh, can call them. So the masculine polarity and the feminine polarity. And in a best way, when we approach them, both in their elevated form. So not the feminine in its toxic or the dark side, neither the masculine in its toxic or the dark side. So um, that's a very like a broad introduction to the topic. And then more precisely, um, I was looking at Sisu in a uh, doctoral work that I did. So it was pioneering this research on this concept that uh, no one had really looked into. And yet we all know what it is. We've all had these experiences of this feeling of digging deep and finding that life force and the, the fire in the belly. And I researched that, among other things, running length of a country, doing this completely ludicrous 1,500-mile run and uh, partially bicycle um, uh, journey across the length of New Zealand um, to kickstart a campaign that was called Sisut Not Silence to help eradicate the silence around interpersonal violence, um, to be uh, very precise. Um, but something really surprising happened to me when I was in the middle of this very extreme feat um, of having to find that strength within me 50 days in a row. And I sometimes describe this run as 50 deaths and 50 rebirths, because that's what it often felt like, that there was the point where it feels like there's nothing left and yet this energy comes. So that that is the sisu and that feeling that um, our listeners can trace from uh, their own lives, those moments when uh, they may have felt that um, uh, life has taken them to the point where all these personal or psychological and physical, even spiritual strengths that we have have been consumed. And yet we find something to hold on to. And so I was in those edges and in those places during this run. And the surprising thing was that when things got very, very tough, um, I was shown the other side of this power and strength, which I hadn't really never thought of or known because I was so used to being the warrior, which was that ultimately I had to surrender in the toughest moment. And the world and the broader narrative and discourse doesn't necessarily look at surrender as power, but that is a really grave mistake because when we are able to relinquish control and we're able to open, that is where we are connecting to something greater than us. You know, in psychological terms, we can speak of Angela Duckworth calls them the um, the um, superordinate goal. So it's something that's beyond us. <laughs> In more spiritual terms, we can call it, you know, connecting to life force, you know, or something that is way above us and beyond us. And that will not come through force, that we have to literally open our hands and open to it. And that is the, the softer power, the, um, the feminine strength uh, that needs to be also brought into the dialogue and the discourse. So we can have both the, the toughness and the softness complementing each other so that's yes. a little kind of intro to it but I'll put a pause there now because I want to hear your voice it's too. so good it's so good <clears throat> so let's go so you did 
I think it equates to, you probably have a different, you don't talk in miles probably in Finland, but I think it was, is it 1500 miles that you ran solo across New Zealand? And did you have a team of people like supporting you in that run? So it was a very simple project in a way, and I wanted it to be so, um, mm -hmm. to kind of highlight this um kind of the simplicity of of these endeavors and human life you know and and how uh, we don't always have these massive structures to carry us no and oftentimes very minimal things actually to uh kind of be there with us and that was also one of the reasons why i chose an ultra run because life in itself you know it ultimately is the longest ultra run and we're all on it so it's a perfect metaphor really for this experience so my team was the core team was me and then there was a, a woman from the UK called Mina Holder uh, she's an ultra runner and a teacher so she was my the core uh, crew and we had uh, this beautiful van that we fixed for the occasion where we slept uh, all the nights and then in the mornings I would start the run usually around seven in the morning maybe and um and I would say like 90% of the time I was by myself on the road. There were wow. some times when some people joined me. We had uh, people who came to our events. Um, and then one of the, uh, Liane, um, who became a friend. So she joined us from Queenstown and she actually ran her first ever ultramarathon with me. I think it was my day eight. So she was that day with me all day. And um, it was beautiful to share that moment. She encouraged me and it gave me so much strength to see her uh, exceed herself in ways that she she never had. And I mean, it was just, she was just flying. And um, so, yeah, it was a simple, simple endeavor and effort. And when I look back at it, it's kind of a miracle that it worked the way it did. There was a transition point after day 12 uh, when I was experiencing so many physical hurdles that that was kind of the maybe the biggest transitional point of the whole run itself and the most important moment of those 50 days when I was looking at how the the endeavor was making me feel and how much pain I was in so that is when I had this big realization how all of my life it had been easier for me to be hard on myself mm -hmm. instead of also showing gentleness and I kind of realized how these drums from the external world had made their way inside my own heart and in my head. So I was listening to those sounds and it can happen so easily in, in everyday life. And that's when I kind of took my power back, actually, that I decided that, okay, it's been 12 consecutive days now, 30 miles each day. We've done, uh, I think, two events by then as well, which meant that in some days I ran 30 miles and hosted a women's circle or women's and men's circle for two, three hours and or did a keynote. And so, um, which tells about the reserves of energy and life force, which we do have. So it's, I was there, I felt it, um, but also I felt um, how human we are and how we can do these extraordinary things, but we also break. So we are both of those things, the fragility and the formidability, you know. And so after day 12, we went to see a doctor and I went to show my my right ankle uh, that was really swollen for a little thing, you know. 
And it was very lucky, you know, he said that if you just take a little break um, and, and just kind of find a way how to navigate this, um, you'll be able to continue because we were concerned if, if that's going to happen or not. Well, you know, um, funnily enough, there was a, um, I don't know what they call them in New Zealand, but they call them, would call them hurricanes in the US, but there's yes. a different name for it in, in uh, New Zealand. So that was the next day, which they had winds of 200 kilometers per hour. So I could have literally actually not even gone outside that day. And then I rested my leg. And then we took this downhill bike that we had been carrying it attached to the back of the van. And I took a day using the bike, maybe a couple of days catching up the, the miles. And then I switched back to running, then a little bit of cycling and then a little bit of running, after which I was able to kind of ease into this kind of pace with the whole thing so the lesson and the most beautiful thing was this having the courage to um adapt and adjust and find a way even in these tough times to welcome this gentleness and not be stubborn you know so sisu in practice gentle power in practice so i had to kind of go there with all my cells it's such you know it's such a journey it's funny this is nothing compared to what you did but I am understanding what you're saying because I did a three-day walk from an area here called Santa Barbara on the California coast um to Malibu to Los Angeles and we walked over three days so we walked you know I think it was 30 miles around 30 miles a day um, along the coast. And it wasn't so much the walking part. It's like, it's the compounding, right? So like you're sore the first night and muscles are tight in different places. And so they start pulling, like I had quads that were really tight that were pulling on my knee. And it's like, after the repetition of another day and another day and another day, you know, things are tightening up in all these different ways. And, and so it's not so much about the running or the biking or the walking, it's overcoming those things, right? I mean, we were, and after you walk 30 miles, like we were sleeping on the ground, you know, just on the dirt in sleeping bags. And it's like that too, right? Like you'd want to get into a bed after you've, you know, done a 30 mile anything. And so it's all those little moments that like really make up the journey. And, and on our last day, it was pouring rain and I'll never forget walking. And like, every time I took a step, my shoe was squish, you know, and it would make like almost music, right? There's, there's this rhythm to it. And, um, and I met two sisters, I did it by myself. And I met two sisters on the journey who literally like, they're just them walking next to me got me through so many things, just that support. Like you were saying, that woman coming out to just like run with you that day and just, you know, be on her own journey, but side by side with you, like just boosts energy. It just like, you get this next wave of like, all right, okay. And you find these moments where you can continue to like find that next life force, that next piece of energy that you didn't know that you had, um, which obviously changes how you see yourself. So what was occurring like over this experience? And definitely, I, I mean, we hit walls, right? When we come to these places like day 12, it's like you hit a wall and then you see that there's a way through that or over that. And, you know, and then you come to maybe another moment and you go, okay, like, you know, I need to be creative here. How do I work through this? And I imagine that at every time that happened for you, there was like a deep inner strength, like a piece of you that you didn't know existed that was being unlocked. So like, I know you talked about surrender, but like, 
what were the things that you were starting to say to yourself as you continued to, I imagine, like surprise yourself, like at your ability to, you know, keep kind of hurtling these walls? Mm. I think, um, yeah, something comes to my mind right away, but I want to kind of reflect the the experience you shared. And it's it's beautiful that because it's a long term thing that you did and you you set a start point and a goal. So you were committed to following through. And it was kind of like how I look at all these things that some people climb, some people run, some people go on spiritual quests, you know, whatever it is, is that they're all like simulations for real life. So you can package in a short time all these experiences and emotions that we then go when we face these adversities that are not self-chosen. Because I mean, your walk was a self-selected um, quest or a challenge. You know, you wanted to see what's in there, you know, in you. Same for me with the with the run, you know. And then when we do these things, we get to take away the diamonds, the learnings, the strengthening. And when we see ourselves stretch, you know, and find that life force, as you were describing. So those kind of inner conquests don't only happen in that moment, but, but we get to take them and revisit them days and months and even years later. And why I want to share this is that I do want to encourage uh, anyone, you know, who feels the call to find out that what would be a little pilgrim was the pilgrimage pilgrimage um, that, yeah that they could do to to go into that place where um they get to kind of be face to face with their life force you know and that it's a a set space i mean day and i mean life will offer us those moments because life itself is hard but there is a certain kind of sacredness when we go specifically meet our maker so to speak our life force you know because i was just inspired by what you what you shared there um and what i was thinking i think one of the key questions that really helped me get perspective when i was struggling with do i push for, for further do i continue or should i now quit even or should i what what needs to happen next and this is such a universal um trouble and struggle that we all have like how do we know when it's too much and how do we know when we think it's too much and we yet have so much more capacity and to my knowledge there isn't a one-size-fits-all or a workbook you know that we can say like here it is that's what life really seems to be about that we get to know ourselves so that we we learn to read our life force and our energy and uh, the changes in the environment and kind of make these decisions on the fly because we're all winging it ultimately. But one question that helped me discern um, was actually a little nugget of wisdom that um, I heard before the run. And this also what seems to happen with life that we are given these guides, you know, that some wise person here or in a book, someone, you read something that just stays in your mind that it almost gets a little bit kind of under, underlined, highlighted. And then this little idea comes to you at the right moment later as you go along uh, on the path of life. So what helped me there was these words from um, six-time Ironman world champion, Mark Allen, mm. um, who is one of the toughest men on the planet, also very spiritual and 
that is what he attributes his win wins actually that he has such a deep connection to nature and to his body and not just the physical body but the body as a living um intelligent um uh, vessel of, of this wisdom and i was attending uh, a weekend retreat by mark in santa cruz actually and i remember we all went for a run with him on the beach which was of course super magical you know to get to run with the master there for a few kilometers and then i asked him at the end of the retreat i'd described that i have this crazy run coming up you know across the length of new zealand and what would be one advice he would give me for such a journey you know based on his um experience with endurance um feats and um and he's a very kind man he has very these soft uh, loving eyes and he's very soft spoken as well and he said that the only the one advice i can give you is that you must honor yourself so this was this sentence that was um given to me and i wrote it down somewhere and that came to my mind on day 12 when i simulated a scenario where i would have I will have, would have made the 50 days. I'm at the finish line on March 8th, 2018. It's all done. And I pushed through. And when I'm at that point, can I look back and say to myself that I honored myself throughout this journey? And I honored other people who were there as well. Or did I do the stubborn Sisu thing where I made it you know and i i did what i said i would do and i showed perseverance but i did it at all cost you know in a way that i will have to be repairing and also what is the example that i'm leading and what is the legacy i'm giving through this is it yet another story of someone forcing things so that was really this pause and a um really the most significant moment for me it almost feels like this whole 1500 mile journey plus all the training before that for two years it feels like it existed for this particular nugget and this realization uh for me and that's when i changed my how i was doing it and what i noticed was that there was a sense of um i'm kind of feeling it right now when i'm saying it you know there was a sense of softening and this joy that started to come back to my body and to my cells, which I had lost over those days. So significant moment. Um, and it goes into that space of that, do we have the courage to surrender and sometimes change the plan? Yeah. When and I was thinking when you were talking about um, what a great thing to be able to meet him and just, you know, ask his advice and like, somebody who has such a breadth of experience. And I, the one thing I was thinking when he was talking, when you were talking about how he has this relationship with nature, as you would, if you were out there doing these, you know, incredible feats, like the one thing that is so constant in nature is change. And you have to adapt to that, you know, changing, like, and I think it's so beautiful that a hurricane came in the day, like, cause it was just like, we're, the universe is like, you're not, you're not going out there no matter what. Um, and I think it's such an important lesson too. Cause I think the way that the planet is evolving, like things are shifting so quickly. And like, I don't know if you've experienced this too, but you kind of can be on like 
a timeline or like an energy and it's like, okay, I'm heading down this road and then it will abruptly shift. Like it just kind of, that energy disappears and you have to redirect to something else. And I feel like this is happening a lot for people where they just, they can feel really committed to something, an idea or concept or a decision. And then it just feels like such an abrupt shift. Like, no, I'm not supposed to do this or I'm supposed to you know go this way. And I think it's teaching us to be in that space of adaptability and surrender. Because if you hold constant to like, it has to be this way, right? You're missing so much of what else might be coming in or how, how the dance is supposed to go. Cause really, you know, life is a dance and, and the moves change and, and we evolve and nature changes. I mean, everything's in motion. So if we're gripping so tightly, then we're missing that flow. Mm. Yeah, literally, I saw you when you were talking, you you clenched your fist, you know, so it, it's so beautiful how it just describes how when we when we hold, we squeeze the wheel, you know, or or something, it, it makes everything contract. And also the energy itself too, it can't flow when we are we're squeezing it. And mm, it just reminds me of the examples that I had from uh, makes me think of Carol Dweck who is also uh, near you. So she's at Stanford and she's been researching mindset for, oh goodness, maybe 30 years. Yeah, she's a, she's a wonderful woman. And um, and she's can, the idea I think originally came from, um, from Carol Diener in her graduate thesis, like 1978, this idea of growth mindset, um, which is present in people who are able to in, in tough situations and in, in when we fail, when we are getting very, very frustrated, those people who have this openness to the experience that they meet it with curiosity, they don't internalize the, the explanations, you know, that, uh, for example, if there's a difficult assignment, you know, that I am stupid, you know, or I can do this. What they say instead is that this task is difficult or that um i will have i will do better next time so there's this openness to how we approach these struggles and and adversities and that's really what these long term little bit bigger challenges that we self select can we can use them as this like a, um like a simulation or from my martial arts background like a dojo so it's the training hall which I kind of see entire life as like, you are my partner. Every event that happens, every adversity is a hand that's reached out to me and I get to grab it. And the gift of that is that I see then how I respond to those situations. So instead of getting alarmed or pissed off to myself that why did I not do so well or something, it's simply data, you know, that okay, Here's where I squeeze too hard. That's where I didn't squeeze enough. Okay, how do I incorporate this and then just keep learning? So there is a kind of gentleness and curiosity and like a childlike play, which actually makes us more adaptable because positive emotions. Barbara Fredrickson from University of Chapel Hill. Uh, she has a theory called broaden and, broaden and build where um, they've come to find that people, when they experience positive emotions like trust, 
um, acceptance, uh, psychological safety, joy, we actually uh, are able to broaden and build our cognitive capacities. So we literally have better access to our all the reserves and resources that we need when life is tough. So mm-hmm. it's not a fluffy thing at all to focus on what is going well, you know, and inviting that um, the goodness all also in our lives I mean it's it's the most hardcore thing one can do if you ask me you know yeah for sure as we kind of close out here I wanted to get your take because you have spent time around a lot of very interesting people and minds and in the world of you know academia and the world of publishing in the world of even technology how to use technology to help humanity um from all the people that you've had the chance to be with or be close to their work, like what have you learned about leadership, you know, as we move forward in time and success? Like, you know, when you get around people that are really questioning the status quo and really thinking about the future and future generations and how to help those generations, like, I think there's a lot of synergy and I'm sure a lot of things that you've taken away from people you've worked alongside. Hmm. Hmm. It's a really good question. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, this takes me back a little bit to Singularity University when I was there for their summer program, and I got to meet all kinds of very, you know, people who are doing cutting edge work and in, in exponential technologies, and and um, I was one of the only humanists in the group of eighty. So most of them were, you know, literally nuclear physicists and uh, space scientists and and things and uh, mathematicians and so on. And um, I was really dazzled by everything that I saw, you know, at first. But I have to say that at the end of the three-month program, I kind of had to go back to my roots in a way that um, just acknowledging that there is really no miracle drug you know, technology can help us. It will give us a lot of tools. Um, but at the same time, it's it's it depends on the kind of soil that we plant, everything that we have, really, and what we will do with that technology. So it ultimately, again, loops back to us and what kind of values we have and what are we as humans. Makes me think of this... Um, I thought it was an Aristotle quote, but it's apparently not, but it's somewhere along the lines that um, um, education without the heart, without educating the heart is no is no education really. So we have to come back to these human values in order to know how we use everything we have. And that is one of the reasons why I chose to write a book, not on Sisu only, um, but specifically on Sisu in its higher expression as gentle power, which is Sisu when we use it, combining um, our heart, when we combine into it our ability to connect on a human level to one another. So being able to meet each other in that space of safety as well. Uh, We do need the numbers. We do need the hard numbers. We need the action and all of this, but we need to envelope that in this ability of us to uh, not just create the infrastructures or the house as a metaphor, but whatever is that brings the light into the house, 
which is the life, you know, and the, the softness, you know, and all of that. So the biggest takeaway for me is really this idea that our, our strength and as well as Sisu, you know, it's not about what we do, but where we need to move on now uh, and where we are moving now is how we do what we do. So it's all an invitation to kind of look into the quality of our actions and have the courage really to um, uh, question ourselves in a healthy way, um, use and see life as this training ground, which the whole purpose is to develop our character and, and so that we can really do something good with all the resources that we have, which the biggest resource is us, you know, ultimately. And we are the little pixels that make the broad, massive image. So it's not insignificant how we think, you know, and how we connect with one another. So it comes back to the heart, you know, the big circle of research and all kinds of things. And um, I think to kind of wrap it up, this particular thing is one could say that Sisu is great, but love is greatness. So. Mm, beautifully said. Thank you for being with us today. I think this is so needed and the book is Gentle Power. And I love when I went through it, the journey that you take us on to understanding these different energies we all have within ourselves and how to really balance them and utilize them in their highest expression, which I agree is what we need on the planet. Like I look forward to the day that we have people leading from the heart, right? And really thinking about and balancing all the strong mind um, activity we have here on the planet with the power of this right here, our heart space. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at The Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love, here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings.